does Chuck Schumer think he's going to cause a political risk to himself by fighting for student debt relief? That's the thing I don't understand about Democrats. They are scared to do the popular things. They will argue about the popular things and say they're the popular till it's blue in the face. But when it's time to get on the pot and do the popular thing, they will make every excuse in the world to not do the popular thing. And people are hurting and people are dying. And they will make every excuse in the world to not act for voters and then beg every two to four years for your vote, saying that things will only get worse unless you vote them in again to continue to do nothing. This is why people disconnect from politics. This is why you get into this issue in the first place. And so how is the cycle going to break? Hello, humans. Welcome to Shuck Fumer. This is episode 39 of Your Power Report, and I am Dan from the internet. This is the first public episode of 2022, so hello out there. Uh, but as I told Syndicate 23 members in the members-only episode that I did earlier this month, I am going to be on a warpath this year in a number of different ways. So many of you who listen to me identify as Democrats. Some do out of necessity because Republicans are simply not an option. And believe me, I understand that sentiment. Others have abandoned the Democratic Party and see it for what it is, an empty vessel for wasted political potential. And I would argue that I'm around there. And yet there are few out there who believe that Democrats are doing the best they can. And on a national level, they truly care about outcomes. If that's you, this episode is going to break you. But later on... We'll take a look at Biden's campaign promises, how urgent those issues are, and what Biden has done about them, if anything. But I'll be real. I'll be transparent. A lot of people should know this. Joe Biden wasn't my guy. I'll admit that I was surprised that some of the rhetoric that was coming from him, you know, as the inauguration was happening in the aftermath of the Capitol riots, an attempted insurrection, an attempted um, overturning of an election where the results appeared fair because they were fair. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, amidst all that chaos, seem to have a very strong rhetoric. They seem to not want to make the mistakes of the Obama administration where they sat on their hands too long, they weren't able to get major policy accomplishments done quickly enough so that by the time they were, you know, they weren't able to get things done quickly enough in a way. And so what happened was that the midterms came around, the Tea Party caucus um, of Republicans came in, and they, along with the objective of making Obama a one-term president, that's a Mitch McConnell quote, just blocked everything that Democrats wanted to do on their agenda. They became obstructionist Republicans. That was, that was where the term came from. And so Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer, more on him in just a moment, but a lot of people in Democratic Party leadership talked a big game about not repeating those same mistakes. And it's important that they don't repeat those same mistakes. They knew 
that the first year of the Biden administration with narrow control of the House and the Senate and the presidency would be the last opportunity to the American people to prove to the American people that Democrats could do things. In 2022, there are midterms where Democrats are likely to lose seats and face a Republican Congress that will further stall the Democrats' agenda. And they'll lose the presidency in 2024, barring an unforeseen miracle for the Biden administration. So I'm turning to another cheap talk, do-nothing Democrat. Chuck Schumer, I said I would mention, he spoke a big game a year ago about the big stakes he's failed he and his party and it's mainly him because it's senate leadership and allowing this senselessness with kirsten cinema and joe manchin running the show using the cloak of bipartisanship when we know that bipartisanship is not in the interests of the people who are actively participating in the republican movement at this point chuck schumer Talked a big game, act like he knew what he was talking about. And now, almost nine months later, not a full year, but like nine months later, we have receipts and we can see if Chuck Schumer's strategy, or rather the game he was trying to spin at the time, actually played out. But first, you can help grow Power Report. Uh, subscribe at youtube.com slash Dan from the internet if you are not already. Uh, you'll get political content from me there. And follow Power Report on Twitter at Power Report uh, WRLD and Instagram at PowerReport.World. And this episode, like all episodes, are edited by Peter uh, at Dead Music Productions. Uh, thank you for making them sound nice and mastering them. I'm doing the video editing, the, you know, putting stuff in, but the audio mastering is all him, and that's how it makes it sound nice and crispy. So appreciate that. And also check out my TikToks that I've been doing on Good Morning Bad News, that channel on TikTok. It's also available on Snapchat. It's growing on Instagram as well. I've done some really interesting videos there that have to do with this topic of Democrats failing to deliver for people. And this is a warning, all right? I, I told you this episode is going to hurt for people who are Democrats and believe in the Democratic Party. But this is a warning saying that if you believe, if you see the Democrats as the only viable option right now in this deeply entrenched two party system to achieve any legislative priorities or victories, to use the government to do anything, then this is all going to be a crucial moment. This is all going to be crucial work, right? This is all going to be a crucial time. But the fact these Democrats are not following through with all these things is the danger that I want to point out here. So let's get started with, would this be a Power Report episode without me doing a little bit of gloating here or there? So I want to throw back to another episode of Power Report that we did, an older episode, where basically a little over a year ago, I predicted exactly what would happen politically for the Democrats for the year 2021 to a T. I'm pretty proud of myself, I will be honest, but let's get into that. This is the moment where there are no excuses for Democrats 
to not do what at bare minimum what they were elected for. And there's also no excuses from the uh, left, the insurgent left within the Democratic Party, to not be pressuring the Democratic Party at every measure they can. This is weirdly enough, like it's chaotic and it's horrible to say because there's so much uh, unnecessary misery and suffering and death to get here. But this is the greatest political opportunity the Democrats have had since the beginning of the Obama administration. And I can't wait for them to fuck it up. There I am, optimistic as always. God, looking at a side-by-side by myself year ago to now. Um, wow. Some things are different. Some things have stayed the same. Anyways. I pointed that out. Yes, because I love pointing out when I'm correct. But it's to say that when I talk about these things, when I talk about these stakes, when I say it's pretty easy to tell where things are going at this point, this is why I say so, okay? So we're going to go to an interview that Chuck Schumer did on the Ezra Klein Show um, podcast for the New York Times. This is around April 2021 and late April. And he was asked, Chuck Schumer was asked about the imperatives of January 6th after realizing the stakes of the Democratic majority once the Democrats actually got a majority. Because remember, <clears throat> excuse me, remember there was that issue with the Georgia runoff and those two senators, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, basically made it over the edge for the Democrats so that they have the slim majority that we're even talking about right now. They have the power to do things. But of course, as we've seen throughout the year through parliamentarian nonsense, which they pretended that they had to listen to this procedural person in Congress on certain issues when in reality they didn't, all the way down just giving up on certain issues and goals of the Biden administration, only to, yeah, buckle on pretty much everything and water down bills to the point where their impacts will be negligible. So here's Schumer on the Ezra Klein show, just so we know that we're supposed to be on the same page here, talking about how urgent the moment is. On January 6th at 4 a.m., I came to realize we were going to take back the majority. Warnock had been declared the winner, and our numbers show that Ossoff would shortly there be. My first reaction, of course, is one of immediate joy. But the second emotion I had crept on me very quickly, and I had to find the right word for it. The word was awe, but not awe in the sense my daughters would use it. You know, gee, Dad, that movie was awesome. Awe in a sort of biblical sense. The angels, when they looked at the face of God, they trembled in awe. And it hit me hard how the deep responsibility is on the shoulders of our Democratic majority, however slim. And we had three imperatives. One was substantive, dealing with income, dealing with climate, dealing with college, dealing with jobs, dealing with the future, and making, okay. The second was a political imperative. So many people said, I don't, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference who I vote for. We had the opportunity to show people that when they voted for us, it would make a difference, that we would do the things we promised. 
most notably checks, vaccines in the arm, opening up schools, opening up businesses. But the third was almost moral. And I felt that if we didn't produce the kind of bold progressive change that would turn that pessimism we talked about, that sourness in the land, back to some hope. No one expected us to snap our fingers and make it all better at once, but they expected a real path that we could either reelect Donald Trump in 2024 or someone worse, a dictator, somebody who would just manipulate people because they didn't have some hope for the future. So those were the three imperatives. And that's what motivates me. I feel we need big, bold change. And um, 10, 15 years ago, I didn't feel we needed that much change. The society was different and the people I represented needed let. My job is to help them. They need more help now. And so there, I played that long clip because Chuck Schumer lays out pretty much exactly what I'm saying and what I was saying last year. So I think we've hammered that point home. However, I think Chuck Schumer's diagnosis from the beginning of this was off to the start because, again, as we've been covering on Power Report during the Trump administration, before Biden got elected, and as we've covered during the first year of Biden's administration, the Republicans are not interested in bipartisanship. The Republicans used to cry bipartisanship 10 years ago when they were obstructing And in reality, they were just not willing to do anything. They were only willing to water things down to the point where they wouldn't really be noticed or useful for people. That was their strategy to make it so when Democrats were in office, it felt like nothing was getting done and that things were slow so people could complain about government and Republicans could run off of that to gain more power. And it worked so well that Donald Trump got elected and there was a Republican trifecta for a minute and they passed tax cuts and pretty much took the money and ran. And now we're living in the inflationary period that has happened, you know, partially due to a lot of influx of capital in the global economy as a result of influx of money in the global economy as a result of COVID-19 and the different weirdness that that's caused on the economy. However, when you fast forward to now, as we are in this post-COVID-19 period, Republicans are not talking about wanting bipartisanship. They're talking about wanting uh, cancel culture to go away. They're talking about wanting critical race theory to not be taught in schools. There's a bill in Florida currently that's making it so you can't ban any, you have to ban any training that makes white people feel uncomfortable. It's, It's literally just like that glib. Like I'm not even being glib. It's just like, if it makes white people feel guilty about America's history or the history of the world overall. It's just not allowed to be taught. Like, this is the Orwellian stuff that everyone who claims they've read 1984 on the right always tends to warn about, when in reality, they're doing it. Maybe that's the part of Orwell's book that they didn't get to. Also, they should read some more political books besides George Orwell. But... Here's where, as I was saying, Chuck Schumer begins to lose me on the whole bipartisanship deal. Because thinking that Republicans want bipartisanship is such an outdated cop-out that you have to start to wonder, does Chuck Schumer 
really mean what he's saying? There's an interesting point, Ezra. 60% of the Republican voters supported ARP. A large percentage of the Republican voters will support things in the Build Back Better, whether it's infrastructure or climate or health care or family leave or child care or things like that. So the public is in support. But the Republican senators and the Republican congressmen, there's a huge dichotomy for two words. There's a, the explanation is two words, Donald Trump. He controls the Republican primaries. He controls the media. He controls the money. And he controls the voters because not everyone votes and the, they tend to be more extreme. I think as we go through this, that's going to become apparent. Now, you know, let's just take Senator X from a reddish, purplish state. He or she goes home and they experience something, you know, that's a little different than maybe I would experience in Brooklyn, New York. Loads of their constituents, but not just constituents, their neighbors, the drugstore owner, the teachers are Republican. They're not bad people. These are their friends. Why can't you be bipartisan? Why can't you work together in a bipartisan way? I hear that all the time when I go outside my own realm of Brooklyn and travel large parts of New York State. These are good people. And so there's a real desire on some of my members to try everything they can to preserve that bipartisanship. They believe it's very, very important for the future of the country. But as this dichotomy becomes clearer and clearer, and the only way to make it crystal clear is put bills on the floor. No, Schumer, you just said it yourself. This is a party that is guided by Trump and culture war issues. They don't want to see Democrats do anything because they've been conditioned that Democrats are a threat to their American way of life. And we know what that's a, like, cut in for. So why does Chuck Schumer refuse to live in this reality? And the next sentence say, oh, but you talk to regular people, they're totally fine. They just want uh, bipartisanship. And that might be true. That may be true. Even though he's talking to a person who wrote a book about America becoming more polarized, that may be true. Even though in the previous sentence, in the previous paragraph of what he was saying, he was saying that a lot of people, the people who vote are the ones who are the most extreme now because fewer and fewer people are participating. We wonder why. If they see the government's not working for them, they may just kind of have a view of the whole process that's just like, oh, forget about the whole thing. Then, again, why does Chuck Schumer refuse to accept this reality? Speaking of Orwellian things, he's existing in this double think that you saw there because on one hand, he's saying that the Republicans are a party controlled by Trump. But on the other hand, they're saying that he's saying that, oh, but if we just appeal to people's bipartisan nature, then people will, then A, things will get done, which they won't because Republicans who are elected will not work in a bipartisan manner. So that kind of disproves your thesis to begin with, Chuck Schumer. And then B, even if they actually did pass things that actually affected people, that those same voters would then come out and vote. Those same Republican voters would then come out and vote for Democrats. This is a singular circling firing squad of a strategy. It's ridiculous. 
But yet, Schumer goes back and forth saying that he claims to know about the issue, but then doesn't have any idea how to remedy it and has no plans on doing so. It it may be the thing that people get sick of politicians about. Well, the polarization in this country has been somewhat more recent. The beginning of it that I really saw in a deep way, it had built up before that, don't get me wrong, but was in 2010, you know, when the Tea Party became dominant and it stayed that way for a decade. And I am willing to give our system a chance to work and maybe change. As you know, I've said, everything is on the table. I've said that repeatedly in how we operate the Senate. But if it doesn't and it gets stuck and we can't produce things, if we still, you know, I worry about, as I said, I worry about the future of our democracy. But I think more people would entertain that change. So Schumer was able to correctly identify the Tea Party's polarization 10 years ago and 10 years of obstructionist politics ever since then. But he believes things are better now. He believes things have gotten better in the past 10 years. Does he really believe the Democratic Party Kool-Aid that Joe Biden was elected and all of a sudden things are workable again? I mean, it seemed like he really did back in even April when that was apparent to most people that wasn't going. I'll admit, I was really bullish even before Joe Biden got elected in certain podcast episodes about my lack of faith in Joe Biden to do anything. But people were arguing okay, well, if Bernie Sanders gets elected, then you'll have a deadlocked Congress and Bernie won't be able to get anything done. So we have to elect Biden, the pragmatist, because he'll actually get things done. Well, we elected Biden and he's getting nothing done. So Democrats, did that thesis work out? Because if Bernie Sanders were president, a lot of these strategies that would be really important for people, that would be tangibly felt for people, like universal health care, like student debt forgiveness, like climate justice, and that tied to a jobs plan to help people get good jobs that help the economy and help the environment and help America's transition to better, cleaner fuels. Bernie Sanders would have used the fact that he was popular on these things to activate the bully pulpit, the the power that you have as a president to influence your party. The same thing Donald Trump was doing all the time for things that Democrats very much did not like. And a lot of Republicans did not like, but went along with anyway because they saw that he was there. Donald Trump was the Republicans ticket to power. The difference here is that Joe Biden doesn't really want to do anything. And Chuck Schumer, who's in a position who supposedly cares about some of these progressive issues, will also not do anything. I just mentioned one of Bernie Sanders' priorities about student debt relief. Chuck Schumer is actually really progressive on this issue. He wants to cancel $50,000 of federal student debt for people who hold um, at least that much in student debt. Um, Or like, you know, any amount. So like under that amount, it's all forgiven. Above that amount, it's up to $50,000. So... That would be a substantial boon to a lot of people. That would be money that people could stop paying down on debt and could start paying into the economy. 
it would be something people would immediately feel and could tie to the Democrats. And again, Chuck Schumer understands this, but it's very revealing how he's going about this, at least behind closed doors, at least what he's revealing on um, this podcast. And this will kind of explain to you right now why there's a continual kicking the can down the road today around student debt relief. So the debt, what do they tell you? Well, Elizabeth Warren, who's my great partner in this, we've met with them and we keep pounding them and they haven't said no. Now, their first reason was it's not legally allowed. That's really not true. If you can forgive interest, remember, these are loans to the 93% of them are either federal loans or federally guaranteed loans. So if you can forgive interest, which we're doing now, and you could forgive loans to certain people doing public service, you can forgive it for anyone you want. It's the same legal basis, number one. Then number two, they said, well, it's not going to really work because when you forgive debt, it's taxed. So it's true. You have 20000 in debt, that's forgiven, and you're in a 33% tax bracket, you're going to pay $6,333 in taxes. Okay? So we wrote in the law. I made sure with Elizabeth and Bob Menendez to put in this ARP bill that you can't be taxed on loans that are forgiven. And we're pushing them and we're asking people to write and to call. And we've said it. I love Joe Biden. I come from a similar background as his, a working class. That's We think in sort of similar ways. Our politics have moved over to be bigger and bolder, sort of in the same way kind of thing. But on this one, I try to be friendly, but I've said, we're going to keep hammering away at this. And he says, that's okay. Go ahead. To his credit. So maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll do it. Again, there's this sort of, I don't know, I'll be polite about it nature that implies that Schumer could be putting more pressure on Joe Biden to do these things, but isn't because he's afraid of some sort of power game here. He's afraid of bucking the party line here. I'm sorry, if you don't buck the party line, you're going to fuck the party. He makes promises of things that could get done. He conditions everything with might and maybe. But if he doesn't think it'll happen, why mention it? I hope student debt relief happens. I'd really like to be wrong about this. I'd like for Chuck Schumer to prove me wrong about this. But for this to happen, Chuck Schumer, you're going to have to pressure Joe Biden. The same way Joe Biden pressured Obama to come forward on marriage equality. You can pressure powerful people, especially when you're in a powerful position. He's the Senate Majority Leader. And what might be the last time this decade, at least for most of this decade, that Democrats have control of the Senate. And he is losing this moment that could be a huge win for the Democratic Party, and by the way, just a good thing to do for people. Not to mention all the economic benefits you could have from it. Chuck Schumer is so good at breaking down all of the uh, misinformation about student debt relief. I made a video about student debt relief for Good Morning Bad News that people can check out. And a lot of those points that um, Schumer mentioned are points that I mentioned about the legal angle being wrong, about making sure that it couldn't be taxed. Like, those are all important things. But if you're not going to pressure Joe Biden using that same rhetoric, 
the same way uh, Majority Leader Bernie Sanders might, then what's the point about being polite about it? Does Chuck Schumer think he's going to cause a political risk to himself by fighting for student debt relief? That's the thing I don't understand about Democrats. They are scared to do the popular things. They will argue about the popular things and say they're the popular till it's blue in the face. But when it's time to get on the pot and do the popular thing, they will make every excuse in the world to not do the popular thing and people are hurting and people are dying. And they will make every excuse in the world to not act for voters and then beg every two to four years for your vote saying that things will only get worse unless you vote them in again to continue to do nothing. This is why people disconnect from politics. This is why you get into this issue in the first place. And so how is the cycle going to break? Confronting the political reality in public would force Chuck Schumer to actually fight for his voters as opposed to just covering his own ass for power. No movement or no moment is more critical than six months ago for the Democratic Party to do tangible things for voters. And so I wanted to end on Chuck Schumer's response to the fact that his members won't change the filibuster. Reminder, this is April from April 2021. And the filibuster, this rule that can basically force any bit of legislation to 60 votes <laughs> out of 100, and a supposedly majority rule kind of system that is already slanted towards lower population states. And members of the Democratic Party, as if the names mean anything anymore, are blocking this as we predicted, as we knew they would, as I said would happen a year ago. And so here was Chuck Schumer's answer to well, I'll let Ezra Klein ask the question and we'll see the response. We'll hear the response because it's a podcast. SR1 seems pretty likely to me as, a, as an observer. And then some of your members, um, like Manchin, have been very, and Cinema, uh, Senator Cinema, have been very, very outspoken. They will not make an alteration to the filibuster for anything. So where does that leave you? Well, they want us to work in a bipartisan way. Well, what happens when the bipartisan way doesn't work, if it doesn't? Then the choice is starker, and we have to see how that evolves. As I said, in the past, when that has happened, we've stuck together and produced a good result. And then the podcast goes to commercial break. So he basically shrugs and goes, in the past, at a point at which, in my political lifetime, I really can't remember, except for a crisis moments like uh, COVID-19, which you don't get a pat on the back for, and more should have been done as we're seeing right now. Schumer's response to knowing that the filibuster won't change is just like, try to hit them on the bipartisan angle, just put bills to the floor, and then the American people will see what happens. Like, the force to vote people were ridiculous because they thought that getting people on the record against Medicare for All, who are already publicly on the record against Medicare for All, would make it easier to vote those people out of office. Those people in the force to vote on the left did not understand how politics works. 
But apparently neither does Chuck Schumer. I mean, obviously neither does Chuck Schumer. We knew that. But Republicans are fighting a game of cancel culture and critical race theory. And now they're actually doing legislation off of this. So now you've even lost the opportunity to say Republicans aren't really legislating on anything. They're obstructing real things that could work for people. People are hurting while Schumer is speaking on things he doesn't even believe are true, most likely. We should be holding Schumer's feet to the fire, and not just me. We should be demanding that media outlets larger than me do the same thing. Like, do we even have accountability in journalism? What is the role of major news networks if they aren't challenging people in power? The hardest questions I've seen asked to the Biden administration on not acting on this thing, on on these policy agenda items, or even the senators, came from Charlemagne the God talking to Kamala Harris. So if more people aren't challenging Democratic leadership on their excuses for why they can't get things done when they actually can, what is the point of the Democratic Party? What do they stand for if they will fight for literally nothing? What will they stand for if they will fight to lose on purpose? Elsewhere on Syndicate 23, we're revving up audio phase just as well, just as we're having members-only episodes of Power Report that are coming out more frequently. We're going to have members get exclusive, like well, not exclusive access, but first access to new audio phase reviews that we are doing in more frequent fashion. So this past week or this upcoming week, we'll have seven reviews coming out in a single week, seven big uh, normal size review videos. Usually we only do three a week. So members are making that possible and members get to see those reviews first. So become a member um, of Syndicate 23 and get more power report as well by going to join.syndicate23.co. That is join.syndicate23.co. And now a look at how Biden's inaction and the Democrats' inability to move in this crucial moment politically is dooming them and could cost us everything. And so Biden has been in office for a year, has been an effective president for a year now, and is very, very nearing the lame duck portion of his presidency at this rate. And so we have a whole list of things that Biden promised and fell through on. So for example, Biden promised $2,000 stimulus checks. Eventually, only $1,400 checks went out. He literally campaigned on the Democrats winning in Georgia and getting $2,000 checks. And then the Democratic Party tried to spin it by saying the money that Trump gave you was the first part of the $2,000, and we're giving you the second part, as opposed to just giving people $2,000. Biden promised to partially forgive student debt relief. He said he would look into forgiving $10,000 of it per person. Uh, Other people, as we said, Chuck Schumer, Elizabeth Warren, 
Others are calling for a complete student debt forgiveness or $50,000 of student debt forgiveness. Biden's giving excuse after excuse after excuse, but not only that, he back, Biden's administration backed Betsy DeVos in a fight testifying over student loan forgiveness to basically argue against the idea that for-profit college students who were taken advantage of and took out student loans couldn't have their debt forgiven. They were stuck with that debt while also being stuck with degrees that they were marketed to be useful and good, but ultimately didn't provide them with the services necessary or the tools necessary to get a job competitive in the workplace. Biden promised he would raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and then he privately told governors that minimum wage hike probably won't happen. He promised that he would lower the Medicare eligibility age and implement a public option, but he has blocked any meaningful healthcare expansion, even though there is a pandemic going on. And a lot of these things I'm getting are from the holding Biden accountable Twitter account waiting on Biden. And it's just sort of endless. One of the worst things Biden promised was he said that he would make Roe versus Wade the law of the land. And that he would enshrine, yeah, enshrine abortion rights in a federal law. When in reality, we're looking at this year where the Supreme Court is most likely in the summer going to overturn Roe versus Wade effectively. And Joe Biden has so far done nothing to do that, done nothing to calm people down who are worried that we might end up in a situation where once again, the United States abortions are illegal to obtain this country. And so that's going to lead to an underground market that's going to be unsafe and cause unnecessary death for people who are supposedly pro-life. And Biden is, again, fumbling on this issue. These are, again, wins that would help him on multiple sides of the aisle because Republicans get abortions too. But there's another good one um, from the Biden tracker, um, Biden tracking Substack that lists foreign policy things that Biden didn't accomplish or things that just weren't great, like airstrikes in Syria, mass deportations of Haitians, using Title 42 immigration laws to expel almost 700,000 people, Uh, cutting federal unemployment benefits to make unemployment numbers look even better, Uh, And then all the COVID botching, sending out masks after Omicron is raging, not doing it like immediately beforehand. Uh, Seeking to extend a Trump-era policy that bolsters mandatory minimum drug sentences. 
offering to keep the 2017 tax cuts in place. When Joe Biden said that things fundamentally wouldn't change, was he saying that things fundamentally wouldn't change from the Donald Trump administration? Because that's what people like me were worried about. That's what we were trying to be careful about. And so, as I was saying in the Chuck Schumer segment that I did, these are the things that are going to bite Joe Biden and the Democratic Party directly in the ass in very short time. Because the reason people disengage, when you talk to regular people, they stop caring about voting because they say, well, what's that going to do for me? They're all corrupt. How's that all going to help me? And so, the Democrats had the opportunity to disprove those people, to disprove those cynical people, myself included, and say, here's what the Democratic Party will do for you. Here's what they are doing for you. Here's what they will do for you if you continue to get us in power. And by the way, this is how hard it is to do things with obstructionists within our own party making it difficult. This is how hard it is to do things in a Senate where senators who represent a minority of the public and the population are stopping things that would benefit not just people they aren't representing, but people they are representing. That's the messed up thing about the Senate is that senators are voting against their constituents' interests. And we're supposed to say that's fair and fine and just. We need to stop believing that people are telling the politicians what to do. People and politicians are largely disconnected. The politicians are doing whatever they want to. They're self-dealing in order to enrich themselves. The revolving door of working in government and then going out to work in the private sector and getting contracts from the government that Democrats and Republicans take part in. That has nothing to do with what voters want. So let's start fighting for that. Let's start changing that. Democrats have a very, very limited amount of time to make any sort of meaningful change in that order because right now it's looking like the Republicans are going to clean them in 2022 and 2024 and beyond. And based on the Trump administration, I do not want to see what Republican power looks like in the United States when there is no check or balance on it. And for those who say that getting rid of the filibuster would stop horrible things from happening, or like, would it make it so you couldn't stop horrible things from happening? Look at the Trump administration. Bad things still happened. It's time for the Democrats to stop warning about, oh, and what could happen if we actually do things? That could uh, make it harder for us in the future. It's hard for us now because you've been making that excuse for a long time and now we're in this point. So now it's time to course correct because we can no longer, as a Democratic Party, and I should stop saying we because that party is on their own. 
But considering that to get anything done legislatively within government, the Democrats are the only institution that have the ability to do so right now. They need to shape up. Time is running out. And I would like to be wrong about how bleak this looks for the Democratic Party and for the country. So we're going to keep following that. We're going to talk about Democrats, what they will do, what they won't do, and also many other topics of note and of interest in current events and politics on this year of Power Report. If you want more of that, you should check out the members-only episode where I went into some details about what I'm going to be doing in the year. Uh, that's really good. I, I'm usually not very forthcoming with my plans. I just let them happen. And you can enjoy that experience for free as well. But uh, by becoming a member, you'll really greatly support what we're doing. And it's, it's already really filling up. You can start for just as low as $5 a month. And like I said, it really supports what I'm doing, what we're doing over on uh, with the other hosts of Power Report, other shows like Audio Phase, and helping us expand and not only creating a worker-owned and operated content company, but also fighting the power with the media and with our voices. That's been Power Report. Make sure you're subscribed at youtube.com slash Dan from the internet. Follow the show at PowerPortWRLD on Twitter or PowerPort.World on Instagram. The podcast can be found at PowerPort.World. And again, become a member at join.snicket23.co. I'm Dan from the internet. I can be found on Twitter at Dan from the web, on Instagram at Dan from the internet, and on TikTok at Dan from the internet. Until next time, the power is always with you. <laughs>